It's June the 3rd. We're reading through the Bible. Our Old Testament reading today is in 2 Chronicles chapters 10, 11, and 12. And again, again, sadly, we read, as we did in Kings, of the splitting up of the kingdom because Rehoboam decided to listen to his peers, which isn't always bad. It's just in this case it was because it was all about him flexing his muscles and asserting his authority. And so refusing to listen to good wisdom and counsel he ends up splitting the kingdom in half, and that was bad. He actually only kept uh, Judah and Benjamin, as it says in the text. And uh, sadly, we see a divided kingdom from this point on, at least until 721 B.C. So this is a, uh, a sad chapter. This is Solomon's son, of course, Rehoboam. And we don't track Jeroboam because, uh, I mean, we haven't mentioned because this is, remember, in Chronicles, we're, we're uh, tracking the southern kingdom. Um, so Judah and Benjamin, and this is generally called Judah in the references throughout uh, the Chronicles. Even sometimes I'll call it Israel, but you understand uh, just as a common name, the nomenclature of uh, Israel doesn't mean that we're talking about the northern kingdom at this point on because we're dealing with the southern tribe. So that's chapter 10, chapter 11. Uh, as we uh, look at all of this, it's very short. I mean, all of our reading here in the Old Testament is pretty short today. The tribes remain um, in chapter 12. The tribes that remain are Judah and Benjamin, as I said. In chapter 12, Rehoboam uh, ends up abandoning the law. So these three chapters are about Rehoboam's reign, and sadly, he departs from keeping God's word, and God allows uh, Egypt to attack. And in his grace, even though there was such rebellion at the beginning, of Rehoboam's reign, we see God uh, allowing the uh, humble repentance of uh, Rehoboam to uh, get him out of this jam nationally, and that was a, an act of God's mercy and grace. And he responds well to sinners. I mean, he doesn't show reproach in the sense that we come to him, confess our sins, and he is faithful, consistently faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is good news, really good news. John chapter 13 is our New Testament reading. We're only reading the second half here, verses 18 through 38. Remember, the context is the upper room as Jesus is about to go to the cross. Judas here is prophesied to, to um, betray him, as was predicted in Scripture, and now he's going to turn him in for 30 pieces of silver. And it's interesting how incredulous the disciples were. They didn't even suspect him at this point as they went through all of this identification. At least it seems so plain in the text of, of Scripture here in John 13, and yet they don't even know what's going on. They didn't, they didn't see it. Uh, they saw it in retrospect, but they didn't see it in person. Verse 27 is an interesting verse. I just want to highlight here. We see John already telling us that Judas is a thief, but now we see Satan entering into him, which is a really dramatic and poignant way to put the fact that he had completely given himself over to this uh, nefarious plan and Satan himself was using him as a tool, a willing tool uh, to get the job done, which he thought would be, uh, I think, decisive, we can assume, uh, to kill the Messiah. And of course, God had a plan that was bigger than that. Uh, command to love one another at the end of this section, at the end of the last few verses here in chapter 13. And even Peter's betrayal is foretold, which is very different than Judas's defection. Big difference between apostasy and defection and stumbling saints. And I think it's good for us to see that juxtaposition here in this chapter. All right, our community command, our community imperative, as I've been calling them, comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're still in chapter 2, verse 17, verses 17 and 18. Let me read it for you. It says, But since we were torn away from you, speaking here of the physical distance between them, brothers, for a short time in person, but not in heart, we endeavored 
the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Uh, super helpful for us to remember the design of God for us as individuals is community. The design for us as a church is community. It's face-to-face community. And so it is that we need to see that the efforts to maintain that and to get that, uh, even in you know interesting circumstances that we've all been through, uh, we need to uh, see that as priority, right? We need to never be comfortable with, uh, uh, you know, digital relationships. We need to see that face-to-face um, uh, connection with the people of God within our uh, our churches. So um, that is what we need to do. Certainly, corporately, we've come through that, and we're coming through that. But if you would write it down this way, if you're keeping track of these community imperatives, get to work, uh, or I'm sorry, work to get rather work to get face-to-face with each other. And I know that takes on a whole new meaning now in this, this era of life, but I want you to realize how important that is and to know that as a part of the community imperatives, we see this by way of example, that the hindrances that we have need to be overcome. The obstacles uh, need to ultimately be uh, conquered as we work to face-to-face ministry uh, and face-to-face fellowship with each other. So Second Chronicles 10 through 12. John chapter 13, verses 18 through 38. And then a reminder, which I hope you don't need much reminder or motivation for this, to make sure you work to get together face-to-face with each other. 